Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> Hey, Claire, what's going on? Not much. How are you? I'm good. Uh, this is Locked on Hornets. We're trying a little bit of a, I guess, more relaxed uh, intro, because usually I come on here and I say, this is Locked on Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. But Claire, today I'm not going to do that. Even though You're not going to bring on your like announcer voice. Well, I might bring on the announcer. Well, you yeah. can't listen. That's that's something that comes from down deep inside. That's not right. something. That's not a put on. That's not a mask. That's mask off. Uh, this, <laughs> that's the real me. Uh, I'm Doug Branson, and I'm joined uh, by my friend and producer on the show, Claire James. David has the week off. He is uh, getting a tan at the beach this week, uh, enjoying some time off. So uh, good. He'll come back fresh uh, next week. I don't honestly, Claire. I don't know what our schedule is going to be like moving forward as summer league winds down. We mm-hmm. may go to sort of a uh, as news breaks kind of schedule. So just keep it locked in on uh, Twitter at Locked On Hornets for updates about when we'll be on the air uh, moving forward. We're, we're going to be on the air tomorrow, uh, but after that, uh, we'll just see how things go. But in terms of this morning, what's that? Just go with the plot. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I, I'm trying. I look. It, the summer is all about trying new things. We're doing video, uh, right. which you can see if you're one of our uh, Patreon members, Patreon.com/loh. But it's experimental right now. Trying to figure some things out with it. Don't know exactly how we're going to use it. Uh, but summer is all about getting better, and uh, that's <laughs> what we're going to do. Uh, yeah. Let's start with free agency and where the Hornets stand at this moment. After the acquisition of Michael Carter Williams, the Hornets now have. 100 and uh, or excuse me, they now have 10 players on guaranteed deals that amounts to 112 million dollars. And they also have three players on unguaranteed deals that amounts to three point two million dollars. And they Mm -hmm. have yet to sign second round pick Dwayne Bacon. And if they were to sign him to the minimum, that would be around eight hundred thousand dollars. So they are well over the ninety nine million dollar salary cap. The luxury tax apron is 119 million and as i said they've got 112 in guarantees right now so -hmm. if they were to guarantee briante weber trevion graham johnny o'brien and Dwayne bacon that would put them at just two million short of the tax apron with one roster spot to fill and uh, they have around five million dollars left of the mid-level exception a part of it was reportedly used to sign MCW, although some think it's the biannual. It seems a little there's a little confusion around that. Right. Uh, but do okay. Got all that, Claire? That's a lot. Yes. There's a lot a lot of numbers I just threw at you. I, I'm really glad I'm doing math before eight a.m. Yeah, it's very it's very good. It's it's uh, where our brains are. This is I think this is like the most clear your brain is at this point, right? Oh man, isn't that science? Like after your first cup of coffee, like you're not going to be any more clear throughout mm. the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah, that's 
That's nice for you. All right, let's talk about free agency in general. Or no, let's uh, let's start with uh, let's start with the Hornets. What do you expect the Hornets to do at this point uh, to fill out the roster? So I think that like with so little, sorry, the cats are going wild. Um, with so little <laughs> left, I don't know what's going on this morning. Um, with with so many, you've got to get someone that is either. Um, going to fill that backup shooter slot or um, someone that's going to be more versatile, like a, like a swing man, like a forward center kind of guy. Um, so you've really got to look at, you know, either someone like a, maybe like a James Young or something um, where, you know, he, you can fill multiple positions with that. So, I mean, with only 5 million left, you got to kind of be flexible. No, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, they're they're going to have to continue to get creative, and and I think it makes again summer league even more important because they're going to have to make some decisions in terms of do they guarantee the rest of these deals or uh, do they let some of these you know one point three one point seven million dollar deals walk in order to free up just a little bit more space on that mid-level exception because they have no cap space. The only roster addition at this point would have to come from the biannual exception, the mid-level exception, or they sign someone for the veteran minimum. So those right. are those are limited options uh, for the Charlotte Hornets or trades. Mm-hmm. I mean that's another thing we 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 should mention as well. As players start to move around, we just saw you know Gordon Hayward go to the Boston Celtics, and now the Celtics need to move deals in order to uh, make room for Gordon. So there may be some options with a Boston or a Denver. Uh, mm-hmm. To acquire players via trade, so we have to look at that as well. Uh, let's. Yeah, let's, my only concern yeah. with trade though is that, like, you know, we're already looking to fill up one roster spot. So, how much more do we really have left in order to move around? Um, and so that's that's kind of. I think I think, you know, if I could read the tea leaves here, I think that they're going to try and sign someone for a veteran minimum, or um, potentially sign one like at least one more guy off of the uh, the summer league team that we were expecting. Yeah, and you you bring up a good point in terms of trading. So, you know, with a Boston or or a Denver or maybe some other teams that are trying to shed mm-hmm. space, they're not right. they're they're going to want the Hornets to take back more money in whatever deal happens. So, if you exactly. send out an MKG at 13 million, you're you're most likely going to end up taking some percentage of money that allows the deal to happen, but you're taking back more money. And I think at this point, that's almost if if their goal is to not go over the luxury tax, mm-hmm. then then I think that that would be very hard to do trade wise. Um, let's chat about NBA free agency in general. Haven't had a chance mm-hmm. to do that this week yet. So yesterday we had Gordon Hayward announce he'll join the Celtics. Can Claire? Can we finally put away? This talk that the East is total trash uh, because Paul George and Paul Millsap went west, that the East is is just going to be a cakewalk. I thought it was ridiculous before Gordon Hayward went to Boston. Uh, But what do you think about some of that talk? Yeah, I mean, like, people are like, you know, you see on Twitter, they're like, oh, I'm going to make the All-Star game this year. Like, no, you're not. Calm down. Um, But, you know, there is – I think in the past few years there has been quite the – um, it, it, you know, the, the pendulum has shifted West basically, um, you know, with the, with, but there are some really good teams that are up and coming right now though. Cause I mean, like Toronto was very good last year. So was Boston. I mean, Boston gave, you know, I think that with the addition of Gordon Hayward, 
Boston's going to be a really interesting team to watch. And so, like, you know, I don't know if anyone can beat the Cavs just yet, but, I mean, I really do think that with the addition of Gordon Hayward, depending on what they do in order to try and free up that money for Gordon Hayward, um, you know, you've got a lot of potential there. Uh, but, I mean, I think that, you know, the, the despair, <laughs> you know, the, the discrepancy, I guess, toward, you know, for, for players to move out west, I mean, I, 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 get, I get where people are coming from where they're like, you know, there's so many more good players. Like all-star talent, yeah, out West. But the thing but, is, with, with Paul George moving, he was on a middling Indiana team. Paul Millsap was on an Atlanta team that was, you know, heading for mediocrity, essentially, yeah. if not already there. And mm-hmm. you had Kyle Lowry re-sign with the Toronto Raptors. You now have Boston adding Gordon Hayward. So Washington, uh, they they will look to match, I guess, Otto Porter's uh, contract that he just inked yeah. with uh, with the Brooklyn Nets. And that's right. going to send them over the luxury tax. So Washington wants to win now, and they want to win now so bad that they're mm-hmm. going to go into the luxury tax. So I, it's just like what's changed in the East? It's Cleveland, Boston. Uh, Toronto, one, two, three. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Washington as a four question mark. You know, we'll see what if they can run that back and get any better. Maybe they compete for the three seed over Toronto. But for the Charlotte Hornets, they've certainly gotten better, but okay. they're still going to be competing, I think, for a, for a four or five seed. I think four is the ceiling. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you had some of this talk with some of these players moving west that, oh, well, you know, Charlotte can compete for a two or three seed. I don't think that's the case at all. And I don't see, you know, the East lost some talent for sure. And, you know, did anyone do anything com- to compete with the Golden State Warriors? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. But no, absolutely. I mean, the Golden State Warriors are still the team to beat out west. And just like the Cavs are still the team to beat out east. But I think that now, um, especially in the East, that people are starting to kind of narrow that gap between – Cavs and like everyone else um and I think that the addition of Gordon Hayward to the Boston Celtics does um I I mean that 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 has a tremendous impact um so I think that you know you've got the the people who are always going to be like oh the East is trash East is trash I mean like yeah they're like those people are you know you can't convince them but I mean um at the same time like and I mean I'm I I think that the the uh, the East Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be a lot more competitive this year, and at least a lot more competitive than they were last year. Because I mean, let's be real, like the Eastern, you know, basically the Eastern side of the brackets, you know, for the Cavs, they had a really easy way to you know trip to the uh, to the finals. So I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it being at least more competitive this year. All right, we got a Twitter question from Jay, and Jay asks us on Twitter: Now that Denver has Paul Millsap, does this ultimately open up? Options for trading MKG for maybe a Wilson Chandler or a Danilo Gallinari. It looks like Gallinari is heading to the Clippers as part of a uh, three-team exchange with Atlanta that uh, we'll see Jamal Crawford go to Atlanta and uh, uh, with, with the Clippers as well. So uh, no Danilo Gallinari, but what about, again, it sort of brings us back to this discussion about the Hornets being able to take advantage of teams who are trying to maneuver and make things happen. Although I know Claire, you're probably uh, you're you're going to be against trading MKG. I think. Yeah, I am. Um, I mean, especially like what you mentioned earlier. I mean, if we're going to trade someone, especially someone with a salary like MKG's, um, you're right. Like we're going to have to be expected to pay some of that still. So you're basically paying to trade players away, and I don't I don't really 
like doing that, I guess. Um, unless, I mean, it, but it has to, it, it, in, in my opinion, like even if Gallinari was on the table, um, I don't think he's good enough a player to warrant that. Yeah, Gallinari not going to be on the table. He's going to, yeah. it looks like he's going to LA. But uh, for Wilson Chandler, the contracts match up pretty cleanly $12.8 million for Chandler and just uh, right at $13 million for uh, MKG. But you would think, I think, with, uh, it, it, I mean, unless Denver just really has a need for someone like Michael K. Gilchrist, I don't think his year last year. Uh, would would really do enough uh, uh, to bring back a Wilson Chandler one for one. So I think there would be some yeah. draft compensation. So the the question for the Hornets would be twofold. Uh, one, would they want to give up those future assets in order to obtain a Wilson Chandler? But two, uh, you know, Wilson Chandler has a player option in 2018-19, so it could turn into a one-year rental. And okay, now I'm going threefold because really the most important question is. What does losing a Michael Kidd Gilchrist do to your team? Uh, I think Wilson Chandler certainly uh, good on defense. Uh, some say great. Uh, definitely can extend the floor. I think, uh, but MKG is is really the the, the captain of your defense and um, will play a central role in terms of helping both Kimball Walker and Nick Batum uh, play perimeter defense. And he did that last season as well. So uh, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure the value. I'm not sure the value is known uh, to other teams, including Denver, uh, of MKG uh, because of last season and because of the injury history. So I think mm-hmm. that would be a, just a very tough deal uh, to make happen. And if it did happen, could have domino effects on on the roster in general. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you know, especially because Steve Clifford puts such an emphasis on defense and team defense, like you know, to to take out MKG is pulling at a major string there. Um, so, I mean, you've got, you know, the ability for, you know, you've got MKG's ability to defend and, and kind of lead the, the team on defense, of course, but, um, you know, it, but like, you know, how, how well would Wilson Chandler be able to come in and kind of fill that slot? I mean, you know, yeah, it might be a, a good one-to-one kind of matchup, but I mean, especially because of the salary cap bond that, that Denver's in right now, you know, why would they tank on the extra money in that case? And um, would we still be on the hook for, again, for, for some of MKG salary? I'm assuming if that was to happen, we would, but you know, I, I don't, I just don't see that happening because I mean, you're right. I mean, he's basically on a one-year rental um, if we do get him and I'm not sure if, you know, draft picks are enough to make up for that. All right, let's move on now to Summer League Game 3 in Orlando where rookie Dwayne Bacon was the star. He dropped 17 points on 6 of 12 shooting and 3 steals. I spoke with Bacon on Monday about his first foray into the NBA. Uh, Let's take a listen. So, Dwayne, uh, what are some of the challenges with Summer League in terms of uh, figuring out how to play with with a group that you didn't have a lot of time to practice with and, and getting to know them? Um, I mean, it, it's it's not it's not really, you know, a lot of challenges with it. It's just, you know, you're playing with a bunch of guys that you had three days to prepare for, which can be tough because, you know, you're going through a bunch of a lot of different stuff against each other know in a game and practices but once you, you know get on the same team in a game it's a little different because you know it's only those five guys and you know you just got to understand how those guys play quick 
and, and what are their strengths and what are their weaknesses. And you just got to, you know, kind of play to that. You're playing with a few summer league veterans out there, including Trevion Graham, who is playing really well right now. Has uh, anyone given you any pointers in terms of the way summer league works compared to maybe a practice or a training camp? Um, uh, not, I mean, I got a few pointers, but uh, it's kind of, you know, you just got to get your work in and, and, and be accountable for everything. Playing with those guys, they 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 kind of know where you know and what is going what's going on just because they play you know through you know two or three summer leagues, and you know I'm kind of just following that league because this is my first summer league and and kind of getting the swing of things or how things go and just going from there. Yeah, it seems like you're picking your spots out there when to be aggressive offensively. What's been your approach in terms of when to have your moment offensively and when yeah. to facilitate for other players? Um, when, you know, whenever I, I get a feel for it, whenever I get the ball, I try to make the best play possible. Um, you know, like I said, it's, it's not like I'm in college still to where, you know, everything goes through me. It's, this is a much higher level and it's much bigger. So just got to adjust to that and, and keep playing the way I, the way I play. Um, just be ready at all times, whenever it comes my way, or even if it don't. A lot has been made about how comfortable you look out there in the pick and roll and in isolation. You don't seem to have a problem with the speed of the game at this point. Where do you pull that, uh, we'll call it an inner cool, where do you pull that inner cool from? Um, I kind of had it for a while. Uh, I'm Like I said, I'm used to coming off the screens. That's something that we did in college. Um, I'm used to not being sped up. I, I like to control the speed that I go at and, and the pace that I play at. So, I mean, I, I know how to, you know, control the game when I'm in, when when I have the ball. And I know, you know, the speed is not, you know, that much of a difference from, you know, the ACC. I played in what most people think is the toughest league in college basketball. So it, it wasn't, it's not too bad. Dwayne, you showed some really nice uh, vision and creativity and transition with a uh, behind-the-back pass uh, very early on in, in summer league. Uh, where does that? I mean, is that something maybe fans should expect to see from you uh, in the half court as well? That kind of vision and creativity. Oh, of course. Um, I feel like I can pass pretty well, so making plays for other people is is a strength that I think I have. And you know, once I get more comfortable and get deeper into the game, then I feel like I can be able to show that to the to the fans when I'm playing. Coach Steven Silas is getting a chance to coach you guys up. What's his style been like, and how has he helped you so far in Orlando? Um, his style is more of aggressive and, and just play as hard as you can. Uh, when you compete at the highest level, he feel like that's when everybody's at their best. So he just wants us to go out there and play hard and defend, and then the offense will come. And learning from him has been amazing. Um, he's been in, you know, he's been in the summer league. He's been a summer league coach for years, and he knows what he's doing. So, you know, just following that guy lead that's been there for, for, you know, enough time is is pretty well spoken. Like, you know, I could just follow him, and and I can trust him to lead me the right way. Is it a strange environment, uh, Orlando Summer League specifically, because it's not open to the public? You you've got a lot of people there, but you've got. Head coaches, general managers uh, sitting on fold-out chairs. Is it weird playing in that environment, coming off of you know playing in these arenas in uh, in the ACC? Not really. Um, like I said, I don't feel any pressure when I play. Uh, I kind of go, you know, I, I can play, you know, with anybody in the gym or with no one in the gym, so it doesn't really matter to me, um, you know. But just seeing them, 
You know, it's just like a crowd. It's, it's nothing too too bad about it or too spectacular about it. So. Well, last question here, Dwayne, and we'll get you out of here. Looking ahead to the rest of Summer League, what are you going to be looking uh, to work on to, to prove to those who, to, who are watching you in Orlando? Um, just keep, keep uh, you know, getting better on the defense end and uh, taking it game by game. Um, each game getting better at, you know, you know, at least three things a game. And, uh, you know, once I get to the regular season, I should be fine. But I'm going to take it, you know, take my time and get better, learn, and, and, and try to do the best I can the next game and the game after that. All right, big thanks to Dwayne Bacon there. And uh, you could have heard that interview first if you are a Patreon uh, member. So head over to patreon.com forward slash LOH and get access to content before anyone else uh, hears it. So uh, you just heard from Dwayne Bacon there, who uh, has just, again, looked very comfortable in Orlando, especially offensively. Uh, Claire, we'll start with you. What have, what have you seen from Dwayne Bacon in Summer League so far? Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned the creativity with the passing and whatnot. I think that, you know, I guess, you know, right now, the thing I've been most impressed with has been his passing abilities. Um, You know, obviously he was a leading scorer in game three. um, And I think that that's great. But I mean, right now, I think the Hornets, especially in the second unit, need a facilitator. And so if he does want to make the team and he does want to be able to step up and come off the bench, um, then I think that that's going to be important for him to try and continue. Um, so I think that, you know, that's, that's been really good to see so far. Um, he does seem very relaxed. Um, you know, even listening to the interview, I wonder if there's such a thing as too relaxed though, um, because he is still competing to make this, the roster though, you know, he's still competing for that spot. So, um, you know, so far he's been great so far. I, I, I'd like what I see. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where, you're, you know, we talked about it on Monday. The NBA Summer League is chaotic, so you kind of have to have a, uh, a level head throughout. Yeah, no, I think I think you're dead on there. I think that they certainly uh, uh, want him to be uh, relaxed in terms of the speed of the game, but they want him to be intense as well. Steven Silas mentioned after that Game 3 that they're still looking for a, a an aggressiveness on defense and they mentioned team defense as well because I, I thought he played the one-on-one defense I thought he played really well he's got great footwork and he uses that length uh, to bother players like uh, Daniel Hamilton who was taller than him but he was also able to bother Marcus Page who is smaller right. but very quick off the dribble right. and he was able to stay with him force him baseline and bother his uh, bother his runner attempts. So Bacon doing some nice things with one on one defense, but some of the team defense stuff. Uh, Steven Silas said is quote foreign to him, and it's foreign to a lot of players that come into the league because it's just there's a level of complexity when it comes to team defense that uh, is just a transition for all players coming from college, no matter what conference. Uh, they played in, but I've just been impressed with how well he's played uh, offensively. He's shown a a versatility. I mean, he's been able to get to his mid-range shot basically whenever he wants. He's been able to attack quickly and transition and use that athleticism. He hit a he's hit a couple of uh, great euro steps and and contorting his body to make things happen and transition. Uh, I think bottom line for Dwayne Bacon is that he's playing better and more comfortably than a second round selection should 
Right. And, I don't, and, and, that's, that, yeah. and that's something that, you know, the, the team defense is something that's going to come. I mean, you know, you mentioned very little prep time, basically. And so, I mean, especially with the Hornets team defense, I think that that's something that's just he needs more time in order to to figure that out. And I think especially, you know, since that you know, I, and to be completely fair, I mean, I didn't watch a whole lot of Florida State basketball this past year, but um, you know, it, it seems to me from from what he said is that he's used to the man-to-man defense, which is why you know I was especially mm-hmm. against Marcus Page. I mean, that was really great to see um, that he can handle someone with that kind of quickness. Um, but you know, the, the team defense—that's something I, I, I don't know if you can really. Yeah, I mean, you could see him. So he would like, I think, and I think this is what Silas was referencing. He would shade over from the weak side, and and right. there would be there would be a drive from the weak side, and he wouldn't necessarily always step into the lane and try to make a play. And so maybe they're looking for an aggressiveness there. Maybe they're mm-hmm. looking for an aggressive aggressiveness in terms of his closeouts. Uh, so uh, those are the kind of things that he's going to have to pick up uh, this summer. One of the other concerns I have with Bacon is his shot form. It's something yeah. that he retooled in college. Uh, in his second year, a part of the reason he didn't come out his first year was because there were questions about that shot form and questions about his ability to knock down three pointers. So he went in, he retooled it, and got better. Didn't necessarily wasn't necessarily a great three point shooter in his second year, but he did get better. But I'm wondering if that shot form is going to start to regress as he pulls out and tries to hit NBA threes. We've seen a few of his shots in summer league be a little flat and that was a big issue for him in college they wanted him to shoot more upward instead of outward and Mm -hmm. i think you can see a little bit of that coming back when he tries to 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 attempt three pointers so he seems to settle into his mid-range game more and try to get to that Uh, so i think that's a concern with bacon uh moving forward Uh, but as i said just great game 17 points Three steals certainly was aggressive in that manner. I mean, he got three steals and was able to get out into transition. Uh, Let's talk about Trevion Graham, another great all-around game. Uh, Mm -hmm. More importantly, Claire, I think he was knocking down three-pointers off the catch and off the dribble. If he can do that consistently, then he could pick up some serious minutes at the three. Absolutely, and I think that, you know, for – for him to continue that progression, you know, in, I, I talked about it on Monday, but I really like the, um, the, the improvements that he's made since last year. Um, obviously he's worked on getting stronger and more aggressive. Um, and I think, I think it looks quicker as well. Um, or maybe that's just the aggression coming out. I don't know, but, um, but yeah, no, the shot, if he can, if he can consistently hit those shots and if he can consistently, um, you know, either, I mean, because he's still not great at creating his own shot, but, you know, if we can bring him off the bench and, you know, run a couple pick and pop plays for him, then, you know, we'll see. Yeah, the, so I did one concern with Bacon, so I'll do one concern with Trevion Graham as well as, you know, he's, he looks to progress through this summer. Uh, mm-hmm. Can he stay with smaller, craftier two guards and three and threes as well? Uh, Daniel Hamilton had him back on his heels on a few drives. Uh, Graham has to have basically has to have perfect footwork against quicker assignments because he doesn't have the length and the athleticism to recover. And and I think maybe maybe he is quicker, but he's still not quick enough to guard some of these uh, uh, faster two guards and, and three guards as well. And he had some issues, I think, last season 
mm-hmm. with some of his matchups in the regular season that he was put on in terms of containing those drives. The effort is there. The yeah. focus is there. He's had a great summer league, not trying to take away anything mm-hmm. from Trevion Graham, but I think that's the one thing that, that uh, the Hornets will be looking at uh, and, moving and, forward. Yeah, I was going to say, and if he does look to get some significant minutes off the bench, then he is going to have to get better with his um, defense against the smaller, quicker players because that's basically going to be who he's going to be matched up against. And Briante Weber, once again, I think the story is the same for Briante Weber this summer. Uh, two of eight from the field, uh, only two assists, seven points for Weber, who got 25 minutes of action in this one. He was showing his chops on the defensive end. He he got three steals, was aggressive with his on-ball defense, very aware defensively. I got the Hornets into the transition into the transition game and I think for the most part made good decisions, but I just wonder like offensively is he making really enough strides uh to justify. I think Trevi excuse me, I think Briante is the one player I'd watch uh to maybe for for the Hornets to maybe clear some room to use a little bit more of that mid-level exception on another player, whether that be a a veteran point guard or uh, perhaps some wing help or maybe that, that fifth big as well. So I, I just don't yeah. know. I just don't know with Briante in this, this summer so far. Yeah, and, you know, he's still making some of those mental errors that we discussed on Monday. And I think that um, while he's, he's definitely got um, – Physical attributes because, I mean, unlike Travion Graham, he is very long and lanky and he can, um, that will help him on the defensive end. Um, but I think that, like, with, with Briante, I mean, if he wants to be one of the backup point guards, he's got to, he's got to cut down on those mental errors. He's still making too many. I thought that, um, you know, especially in the last couple games, that he, he, you know, he missed some opportunities basically. So he didn't necessarily, you know, while the turnovers, haven't been as bad because um, he's still missing some opportunities that he really should have taken advantage of. All right, we're out of time here for this edition of Locked On Hornets. It's been a good time. We talk some free agency, talk some summer league uh, tomorrow. We will uh, dig into this more. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast and shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com or you can be like Jay and tweet us at LockedOnHornets your questions or concerns or thoughts about things going on this offseason. For Claire, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.